This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm not sure whether to take... Today's edition of Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation, as some sort of personal insult. I'm not exactly certain. All I do know is that once upon a time at lunch, I was sitting with the cool kids, and now I'm sitting by myself, and apparently I wasn't invited to where the cool kids now (laughs) reside. Darren Urban and Danny Sarek were all in different locations as of cut day 2022. Have we been allocated to different parts of the roster? I'm trying to figure out here. Uh, Darren, help us uh, understand the configuration of today's lineup here on Cardinals Underground. Well, uh, I'm not ashamed to admit it uh, in these uh, current days that we live in that uh, uh, I brought a little something back from Nashville that wasn't in my luggage, and so I'm working from home this week. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely uh, it's definitely a work from home kind of week, and that's okay because uh, the news this week is mostly about the transactions that we're about to delve into. So I can I can live with that. And Danny coming off the uh, a nice waiting room spell. You know, there's waiting in the DMV. There's the waiting room at the hospital, and then there's waiting around for the final cuts. And you know, last I remember, the two of you actually um, were you not on stage? performing that 80s classic Final Countdown by Europe. Uh, remember the commercial Final Countdown by Europe? Was that the song you were singing on stage, Danny, karaoke style, in Nashville? Because it really would be opportune right about now. <laughs> Close. Uh, a classic Whitney Houston, I Want to Dance with Somebody. And to make it even better, I sang karaoke with my boss, which not many people can probably say. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I am also working from home uh my home not darren's i wasn't invited um mine is more precautionary i've you know had a few symptoms but luckily have been negative so should be back in the office tomorrow but just being careful because i share an office with paul and i gotta protect him that's that's a good point (laughs) right any excuse to get out of the office and away from paul (laughs) and what a vet move by danny there to make sure she was singing uh, a duet with uh, our boss tim delaney that's well done i mean pro tip to all the rest of us okay so it's hot off the presses uh, Danny, by the way, have you ever actually held a newspaper in your life? I, don't answer that. But don't answer that. Uh, we're looking at the final roster, the 53, and obviously the main headline here, Darren Urban, is that the Cardinals have elected to play the upcoming season without a long snapper. <laughs> so I think we start there. Yes. There's no Aaron Brewer. There's no long snapper on this no, roster. There's no Aaron Brewer at the time that we are recording this and at the time that the final cuts were made. Uh, but in the ultimate, uh, the, the first 53 is not the final 53. I think the Aaron Brewer story really underscores that. Uh, there was a couple of guys, Paul, on this cut list 
that were a little surprising if you look at it in a vacuum, which, of course, we cannot do. And uh, the big deal is, and just a reminder to all the fans out there, if you want to go on IR2 return, you have to be on the original 53-man roster when final cuts are put in. Um, so when Marquise Hayes, the rookie guard, went on IR uh, when the final cuts were made, that ends his season. He cannot come back. Oh. But if you have other players that do want to come back, they have to be on that initial roster. So you have to find spots for them that they don't necessarily have to take up when you put them on IR in 24 hours. Well, Aaron Brewer is a veteran who's not really going to go anywhere. He knows he's got a job here. So you go to him and say, you know, would you do us a favor if we cut you for a day uh, just to save the spot? Then we, when he open up a spot with an IR move, um, we're going to bring you right back. I think that's what Aaron Brewer – and this is my guesstimation. I don't know this for a fact, but that's what I think is going to happen. Aaron Brewer comes back. I think there's a chance that tight end Steven Anderson – uh, who is also was also cut. I think he's another guy who they might bring back immediately after somebody on IR because there are a couple of, of guys that were hurt um, that I think are going to want to go on short-term IR. I think Antoine Wesley is a possibility for short-term IR. I think safety Charles Washington, who hurt his chest in the uh, Ravens game, is a, is a candidate for short-term IR. So and the key here, Darren, to me. is that both Aaron Brewer and Steven Anderson are vested bets, yes. so they're not subject to waivers, correct? Correct. Okay. And so nobody can pick them up. They they get choice on what they're going to do. And like I said, it's it's kind of a, a wink and a nod thing, and there's going to be multiple teams doing that across the league. All right. Other takeaways. Danny, I mean, whether it's Max Williams on this roster, meaning, uh, okay, you know, he's he's going to be eligible to play this year. I don't know if he's one of those guys, for example, that you can put into the group that Darren just listed. There's only two quarterbacks. I think most of us figured there would probably be three after repeated comments from the head coach throughout the month of August. Uh, we saw Isabella and Dorch both make the roster. Uh, where do you start? What stands out? Yeah, I think the fact Max Williams definitely stood out to me. Um, so who knows? Maybe that is a player he's been practicing and doing things with teams. So I don't necessarily see that as a realistic option that he would be one of those players that would go on that IR list within the next couple of days. Um, my first thought when seeing that both quarterbacks, Jarrett Garantano and Trace McSorley, uh, did not make the 53 tells me one, Colt McCoy's arm is doing better. He didn't throw a lot the end of, at all, really, at the end of training camp, and he was throwing a little in that joint practice in Tennessee. So that tells me the fact that they didn't keep Trace on that original 53 because they were scared to lose him in waivers tells me that Colt McCoy's throwing arm is progressing. Um, obviously, one of those guys is going to go back on, on the practice squad. The question I have there is, is the plan, if McSorley doesn't get picked up, that's who you go with? And if he does get picked up, you go with Garantano? Or is Garantano the, the way you're going with the hope of really working on development for the future to be the next Colt McCoy or something like that? So that's something to look at. Um, and then I think also when you're looking at those wide receivers, right, we've talked about Andy Isabella, but what's interesting is just because he's on this initial 53, that doesn't guarantee him being on the on the Cardinals roster come week one. He's made it clear he wants to trade, and I I still do think that is a possibility. Um, and then there's a couple other players who have, you know, looked good this point, but they're just young. And, again, some of these players who got cut, if they clear waivers, they'll be back on the practice squad, right, like rookie linebacker Jesse Lucetta, defensive lineman Manny Jones, 
Um, so this isn't, you know, you're still going to see some of these players who were cut. Um, and, you know, tight end Bernard Sykovitz can come back on that international program. So it's, right. it's a little tricky when you see the original 53 like long snapper Aaron Brewer, and then you have to remember, oh, you know, that this isn't really how things are going to look come the end of everything. It's it's interesting to me, too. You you mentioned Isabella. I think that's a fascinating situation. I just saw that the Texans on their initial 53-man roster have four wide receivers. So you would think that they're going to want wide receivers. Now, wow. I, I don't know who they released and who they might be bringing back and how all that might work and whether Andy Isabella would be – somebody they would be interested in but I mean what um, a dang shame that Bill O'Brien is no longer the GM of the Texans because we'd <laughs> love to swing another wide receiver deal with Houston for Laramie Tunsil or something <laughs> uh, you know I, I think um the Isabella thing is is very curious he, he, we we've we talked about him last week uh because of some of the things he said in the locker room and then he ended up going on the radio and having another after another good game and he's he makes it pretty clear. I mean, he's he's very confident in himself right now, and he makes it pretty clear he feels like he's been done wronged. And he also makes it clear that he doesn't really want to be the sixth receiver out of six, which it still seems like he might be even with DeAndre Hopkins suspended. So, uh, you know, what happens with him here? What what goes down? Do they want to make sure they keep him around while Hopkins is on the shelf? I, I think that's a fascinating thing to watch. I mean, the only and I know I know we'll get through so much of this, Paul, but – you know, thinking about two more things that stood out to me looking at this list is one, cutting linebacker Devon Kennard. That that is not a move like the Aaron Brewer where you're going to bring him back. At least no. to me that's not what that says. That says to me you're happy with the youth you have and the potential you see in that group. But what also surprised me guys, we've talked so much about running backs and they have five running backs now on this initial fifty three man roster. Well, I mean, Paul, you remember. I mean, they basically redshirted Eno Benjamin. Is it possible that Keontae Ingram becomes a redshirt this year? I mean, Daryl Williams is only on a one-year contract. Absolutely. No no question. Um, and, you know, there, look, there's some other guys that if you want to reverse engineer this, names that literally I'm just seeing for the first time and then I look at the complete – I saw the cuts, but then I realize who actually made it that I'm a little surprised – is actually on the final 53, for example. I know who one of them is. Ben Neiman. Yep, that's the first one. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter. I mean, he had a heck of a preseason, but most of the time it was against strictly backups. And then Deontay Thompson, I was really curious about whether he was uh, truly on the bubble or not. So, Well, I mean, some of this to me is number. I mean, Deontay Thompson, If he, Chuck Washington's hurt, and I don't think he's coming back anytime soon. So if – now, I think at this point, everybody knows Isaiah Simmons is probably more of a safety than a linebacker when you break down the – although they're still going to list him as a linebacker. So right now they technically have six inside linebackers, and if Chuck Washington does indeed go on IR, that gives them three safeties. So that explains a little bit, but you, you, you're going to need somebody else there that's more of a pure safety, I think, at this point. The Neiman thing surprised me a little bit, but I, I think that goes back to – what we've always talked about is kind of where Zayvon Collins is and, and wanting to make sure you got enough bodies there if Zayvon Collins isn't doing what you hope he does. And as far as Isaiah Simmons goes, it was about four hours ago and 13 minutes, if I look at this exactly, that I asked him, okay, uh, how many positions potentially do you see yourself playing this season? And he kind of gave me that look and that pause, and he realized there's a real game right around the corner, and he said, 
I'll pretty much be a linebacker. And nobody believed him whatsoever. So there's yeah. uh, there's that little. The Rainier games have started. That's how you know it's the, the regular season. And as far as Andy Isabella goes, yeah, you guys aren't kidding in terms of uh, just his demeanor. And he's had that edge, not only on the field, but with the media. The only thing better than his production in the preseason were his interviews. He he said to the media in the locker room, I came in here with a fierce mindset. I knew I was going to dominate. And then right off the top of the radio interview, when I asked uh, what he thought of his performance at Tennessee, he said, amazing. And then he went on to say, and I'm quoting, I think I was overlooked. I think they're t- they turned their back on me, but I overcame again. You know what? I'm good with that. If that's what it takes for him to turn into the receiver that they envisioned when they selected him in the second round four years ago, then I'll be it. That's great. Whether he's on the trade block or not, I don't know exactly. I think to some degree he's needed right now, especially with the mystery surrounding Antoine Wesley and Rondale Moore. There is definitely, I think, a role in for him in these first six games. But there are teams, and we saw it with Tennessee. One of my big takeaways from the joint practice was, man, they're not that loaded at receiver. And a lot of teams are in the Titans' boat. So if the Cardinals can maximize a pick or a player for an Andy Isabella here over the short term, yeah, that's another way that this roster evolves and another way a roster spot might open up. And then you bring back Aaron Brewer with that move. Just a thought. But as for uh, Devon Kennard, I tell you what, that was a surprising one to me because I did not realize, Darren, that it was feasible financially. I thought it was still onerous, sort of a move to cut him. I know they redid his deal in the offseason, but I, I still thought it was fraught with dead cap money and so forth that would make you reluctant to cut a Devon Kennard. Obviously not. You know, it, I think at this point you're having to the, – the Kennard thing – I tweeted out it's not a total surprise, and some people took that to mean not surprising at all, and I meant it as, no, it was a surprise, just not a total surprise. Um, I think one thing that gets lost in it a little bit, I, I think you lose you lose the, the, the locker room experience. You lose the on-field experience, and you lose the locker room experience, and I think that hurts. I think Devon is good in the locker room. Now, what you're losing on the field – is you're losing what has turned into, and, and I'm not trying to say this is all what Kennard is now, but what they've used him as is a two-down linebacker because they're not using him in pass rush situations. And, I, and I've heard a couple people when the news first came out saying, man, you're, you know, what are you doing with your pass rush? And I'm like, but you weren't going to use him in the pass rush. This, this has nothing to do with the pass rush unless you're going to look at it from the standpoint of, we want to make sure we have all the pass rushers at outside linebacker on this roster that we want. So because he wasn't really going to help us in that arena, then we're going to move on from him. Because ultimately, that's how that's how a lot of times this stuff gets looked at, which is all things being equal, we're going to go with the younger and the cheaper. And that's just how it kind of goes. And, and you know, I do think, you know, Jesse Lucchetta is on this cut list, Um but I think he was probably uh, yet another outside linebacker who was going to make this team until they traded for uh, the cornerback Trayvon Mullen, and they needed another spot, and that's he's the odd man out. Now, there was always going to be an odd man out because they were always going to have to add a cornerback, so Laquetta always might have been that guy anyways. But you know, there's another guy who's probably going to end up on the practice squad who they really like, and he's a young guy. So you know, Devon Kennard unfortunately took a pay cut in the spring, uh, to stick around and 
that's that's a harsh way to go to take a pay cut and you still stick around all all off season and through preseason and then still get cut that's a that's a tough way to go and kind of really underscores the the harshness of this business but in fact that um, was his tweet cold yeah. world that was his tweet two yeah. words cold world and we all know Devon Kennard local guy great guy I mean great with the media and the respect I think we all have for him right down to the Baltimore preseason game where there he was coaching up Cameron Thomas throughout that game on the sideline full well knowing that his job might be in jeopardy. And there he was helping the third-round rookie who's making a transition from more of a hand-in-the-dirt defensive lineman to an outside linebacker who has to play in space. And he was our post-game interview after the Baltimore game right in the locker room two weeks ago. And he was just talking about how much he's been helping the MyJ Sanders and Jesse Lucetta's and, and Cameron Thomas. But honestly, Danny, I think it was the evolution and the improvement of Victor D. Mukherjee. Because Demu Keiji, we know, is stout against the run, just like a Devon Kennard, but he really showed a burst and an explosion off the edge. I, I, he's just more of a complete player, perhaps. Not as seasoned, not as savvy, not as experienced, but in terms of the upside, especially in the pass rush, you know, Victor Demu Keiji, I think, ultimately was the guy that probably cost DK a spot on the final 53. And it is really unfortunate you guys touch on just how great DK is as a person and, and to work for to work with rather as a media member. Um, but Paul, I think that's kind of what you would want is one of those younger players that you've been developing to see them take that leap and see them take that step that they could be ready to rely on you. I think unfortunately for DK, when you look at a situation like him and Dennis Gardeck, who have been more of those fill-in players over the last couple of years. They haven't been as heavily relied on as they would expected. They are expected to be this year um, as those veterans at that position group. I just think that if, if you feel better about a younger player and the potential and all of that, as opposed to you know having a player who you like and has done well in that role but might not fit the new role you need from them that well, an unfortunate part of the business, but you're right. If Victor Dumukeji can bring what he has brought so far throughout training camp in the preseason, you hope that that'll continue and he'll just continue trending upwards throughout the season. In fact, Danny, that's a good point. It might be the very reason they kept another six-round pick, Lasita Smith. You saw the big step that Victor Dumukeji took from last year to this year, a six-rounder out of Duke, and then Lasita Smith who I think we all sort of had on the bubble, and there he is, the final offensive lineman kept. Really maybe the only surprise on the offensive side of the ball for me was that Lasita Smith snagged a spot on the final roster. How about you, Danny? Were you surprised at all by that? No. I think, again, what have we seen at this offensive line? Adversity, Paul. You need to have that depth. And I think that is very important, and we've already seen that. And the regular season hasn't even started. Um, I like the moves that have been made at offensive line. It makes sense for me to keep Lasita Smith there and keep keep him growing at that position, um, especially if you get to a point where Rodney Hudson can't go and then you've got Sean Harlow and then what? Then you need a backup center. And we learned that last year. Um, I like the moves made at offensive linemen coming to an injury settlement with Justin Murray, who just, couldn't stay healthy. Um, they did, you know, they also cut Danny Isadora, who has been dealing with injuries, and Josh Miles. However, I'm wondering if Josh Miles might be one of those players they would bring back. He was fighting for that swing tackle spot with Josh Jones, 
but I'm wondering if you know he somehow ends up on the practice squad. Yeah, and you can put veterans in the practice squad. There's even speculation Devon Kennard might be on the practice squad as an older guy, a Valley guy who doesn't want to move the family. Darren, it it is possible he actually could end up on a, on the practice squad if he so desires, and I mean if there's mutual interest. That's true, and and you know that's that's always an interesting part of this. Now that the practice squad cha- uh, rules have changed so much over the past four or five years, I mean I, I've been around long enough that it used to be that you couldn't have any veterans on the practice squad at all, and there was only ten guys on it. Uh, then it was going to grow to 12 or 14. The pandemic made it 16. They're sticking with 16. But now um, you can have up to six guys with unlimited uh, experience in the NFL. So there's always a chance you could have a handful of veterans uh, that are around. And, and, you know, you look at who was released. Now, again, a lot, the veterans don't have to pass, pass, pass through waivers. Excuse me. So, you know, they could – they could go wherever they want. And, and if, if you have a choice of a practice squad, that's the other thing, whether you're a young guy or a veteran, you don't have to come back to the team that you just got cut from to go to the practice squad. You can go to any practice squad. So uh, there could be some, some of that involved in terms of fighting over a guy. But you're right. Going back to your original point, any veteran could potentially come back. Now, are they going to want to? Is the team going to want that? You know, again, if you're, if you're releasing a veteran um, – and you're already heavy in that position, there was probably a reason why you did that and you, you may not need that extra. Then you're going to want a younger guy who you're trying to develop on the practice squad at that position if you have anybody at that position is what I would think. All right, so players that maybe we found the most surprising that either got cut or made the final 53. I gave you some of those names at the bottom of the 53. Uh, ben Neiman, Deontay Thompson, you know, Lasita Smith. Uh, obviously, there's Aaron Brewer news, but he's coming back just a matter of how and when. Is there a player that the Cardinals, if you had to pick one player, here's the question. If you had to pick one player that the Cardinals potentially might regret cutting, who would that be? You want me to go first? I got a name. Yes. Go are we are we assuming that all the players who have been cut are not going to come back to the practice squad? Like that's how we're looking at it. With the exception of maybe a couple that we named, like like you know okay. uh, J- Stephen Anderson or maybe like a Trace McSorley, who you figure are automatically coming back to well, the practice squad. And and I you let's let's take this from the the point. I mean, if you're scared to have cut them, then okay. there's a chance okay. that they might get picked up somewhere. So I I yeah. don't. If they're yeah. not on the final 53, you're right, yeah. Darren, then okay, they're fair game. And, yeah. and I'm going to go with number 50, Chandler Wooten, okay, the inside linebacker, the three-year starter at Auburn, the team captain at Auburn who came in. The stage obviously was not too big. The lights were not too bright. He came in, and when he got a chance, sure, it was in the second half of games. I get it. It was against third and fourth stringers. But, man, did he show some instincts and a high football IQ, and he's out there and he's calling the defense and he assimilated and he made plays and we called his name repeatedly and he loaded up the stat box. That's one guy I wonder about, dot, 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 especially when I see a Ben Neiman on the final 53 and Chandler Wooten's out on the street. So that would be my selection. Who, Danny, you want to go next? Or you yeah, want me to go? I'm going to go, if we're assuming that everyone's fair game, I'm going with tight end Steven Anderson. Okay. who is that veteran and has that experience, maybe not a ton of experience as, you know, a, a major starting tight end. But when you look at that room, Zacharis is coming off a calf injury. So we haven't heard any sort of update on how he is progressing there. 
you got Max Williams, who is still in that massive brace. Now, he's been practicing. He came off the pup list. He made the final roster. However, when he's coming off a very massive, nasty ACL injury that's taken a long time to recover, I don't think you can have high expectations of what you can get out of him, especially early in the season. That leaves you with rookie Trey McBride. That makes me feeling uneasy that one of your three tight ends, in my opinion, you can't expect a lot of in Max Williams at the moment. The other one, you don't know how healthy he is in Zach Ertz. So I would take Steven Anderson as possibly the biggest regret if he doesn't somehow end up back on the initial 50 or on the 53 because of someone going on IR or on the practice squad. I think that is suddenly uh, the possibility of being a very thin, very thin position group. And, and I'll and I'll say that's totally fair, and I would 100% agree with you. I just when I saw that name with Brewer and knowing there's a couple guys that need to go on the IR, I, he just strikes me as that's that that's what him and Brewer did. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed on that. Now I'm my guy is as I as I look over this list um, is Manny Jones, who I, I think looked pretty good on the defensive line. Now I fully expect him to end up as on the practice squad, but there's always always a chance that he won't. And I thought he played really well, granted, against what we were saying before, who was he playing against, that kind of stuff. But I thought he played really well in the preseason. And, you know, young defensive linemen aren't always easy to find. And so I, I would hope that he gets to stick around. But I thought he had a pretty good camp all the way around for who he is and where we see this defensive line standing at this point. Um, you know, I, I would, I sh- certainly hope that he ends up on the practice squad because I, just with the way they are and with injuries with the guys that are on the current defensive line, my guess is a practice squad defensive lineman is going to see some time in games this year. All right, let's talk cornerback because it's been a long wait at the cornerback position, almost as long as waiting for the final cuts. In fact, you knew it was long when I was walking through the Cardinals team lobby and uh, the person who runs the front lobby, Marie, said she was getting calls from the Red Sea wondering when the cuts were going to be released. So it's sort of like the fans. (laughs) I feel bad for Marie. It's sort of like the fans uh, penetrating the voicemail of Cam Turner looking for the green hat. I mean, these fans are relentless. I mean, my goodness, people. Just come on now. All right, let's practice. love the green hat. Sort of like Keontae Ingram running the ball. Let's practice some patience, okay? Set up your blocks and some patience in there a little bit. Uh, If I would have told you after the first week of camp that Christian Matthew was going to make the team and Josh Jackson was not, I think that would have been a surprise to most of us. But but you know Josh Josh uh, Jackson he 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 peaked early and then boom uh, you know he just he didn't follow it up he didn't bolster that early flash and so yeah. he's on the outside looking in, but then the Cardinals make a trade there it was and it came over mid afternoon and he comes over from the Raiders Trayvon Mullen, former 40th pick overall high round two 2019 which means the Cardinals have five of the first 40 picks from the 2019 draft he's a six foot two corner 200 pounds he's about to turn 25 he's in the final year of his contract Darren and um, he has experience in the AFC West which is on the Cardinals schedule this year in particular Patrick Mahomes he owns a career interception one of four career interceptions one of those is against Patrick Mahomes so he comes in and I'm guessing he's going to have every opportunity to get playing time. Yes. Well, and and without knowing exactly what's going on with Antonio Hamilton and his unknown uh, malady that is keeping him out of practice and, you know, makes you kind of uncomfortable when 
Cliff talks about it because he keeps he said a couple times how it was an unexpected injury, and I'm like, aren't all injuries unexpected? So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see if that comes to light exactly what's going on. But it feels at this point like there's still a hope that Hamilton will be available for that first week. We'll see. Um, you think so? I, because when I, I hear Cliff talking, I, I I'm not feeling week one. Well, I'm just and, not. and that's very possible. And and now, so then, then you almost have to have Mullen. And and if that's true, then Mullen's playing that first week. There's just no if ands and buts about it. Because guys, the only other cornerback besides Hamilton, Byron Murphy, uh, Marco Wilson, and Trayvon Mullen that's on the roster right now is Christian Matthew. And I think you'd rather take a guy who's been in the league three years, even if he just got to your team this week, more than a rookie out of Valdosa State. So um, I think this trade was super important. I don't think I'm ru- I'm going to rule out that they could still sign a veteran, potentially. Um, but I, I also know they like what Hamilton's done this year. So I don't. The, my other question with the cornerback and whether they do anything else at the moment is going to be, is a veteran going to want to come here knowing that they might not be able to play? Or do they need to sign somebody knowing that they don't need to play? And, and I think at this point, who are you not playing if you sign a veteran? I mean, you just trade for Mullen, so you know you want to give him a shot. Uh, you know Murphy's playing. I don't think they – whatever – wherever Wilson is, number two or number three right now, I he's going to continue to get chances because they want to see if they can develop him. And Hamilton already won the number two job. So – I don't know if they're going to sign anybody else at this point that would jump into that top four. Yeah, I think Danny – go ahead, Danny. Yeah, well, just just going off – I mean, just continuing off that, Darren, it, it is interesting of if we assume that Hamilton, whatever his injury or however severe it might be, is able to come back early in the season, let's assume that he gets back and just goes right right to that starting role that he has earned up until this point. Well, then you've got Mullen and Wilson you know, fighting for that – third spot so then again you're right are you going to bring in a veteran who is now going to be fighting for a fourth spot with either Mullen or Wilson or you know anything like that I think this is the move that we've been waiting for at cornerback now whether or not this is the type of move you wanted to see that's neither here nor there the point is I think this is the cornerback move that will be made and that's it yeah, and, and look, a lot of it, I, I'm guessing, depends on Antonio Hamilton, and, and we don't know. You know, we're, it's a complete guessing game from from the media types, right? I mean, what exactly does Cliff mean? I would say, typically, if it's short term or minor, Cliff will mention as much, and when he doesn't mention that, it tends to be more major or, or long term. And so, I just think the uncertainty and the lack of information is a little bit daunting as far as Antonio Hamilton goes. But in Trayvon Mullen, they get a six-two corner uh, guy who was, uh, you know, has the pedigree coming from Clemson. He was highly decorated, so you know, I, I like obviously you like the measurables and, and the experience. He missed majority of last season with a toe injury that also kept him out of the offseason and actually impacted the start of his camp with the Raiders. And so he fell in on their depth chart. They have a new regime. They're cleaning house you know, after John Gruden and Mike Mayock left. I mean, my goodness, you know, the last three, four years were the first and second round picks. That team has been gutted. Most of them have been abject failures. And so they've just tried to hit the reset button with the Raiders and we all know the Cardinals' track record, Steve Kimes' track record of success when you deal a seventh-rounder to the Raiders. Last time he did that, it was Carson Palmer. So you see if you hit another home run with Trayvon Mullen and, and you get him going. But 
As Isaiah Simmons also said to the media earlier today, you know, one of the the biggest receiving weapon and target right now in the Kansas City roster is the tight end Travis Kelsey. And he had hinted that that'll pretty much be his role in coverage against Travis Kelsey week one. So maybe that buys you a little time as well when it comes to the cornerback position. We'll see, Darren. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, again, I I think no matter how much Isaiah Simmons wants to play coy now, (laughs) um, I think it's fairly clear with the roster construction and where they sit with defensive backs that Isaiah Simmons is – going to be used a lot more like a defensive back than a linebacker um, because it's almost necessary. Now, it's it's going to be this hybrid star backer thing, and that's fine, and I'm not saying he's a direct correlation to what Buda Baker's going to do or would be a direct correlation to somebody in the slot like if Byron Murphy was playing there, but um, bottom line is that's he's kind of the wild card when we, st- when we start talking about this secondary and, and how it breaks down and the fact that if Washington ends up on IR, they've only got three official safeties or they're short on corners and all that stuff is because I think Isaiah Simmons is the guy they're hoping to plug in in the short term and uh, and see how that goes. And the news we did get, Danny, today on Isaiah Simmons, the fact he'll be calling the defense at least week one, at least to start the season against Kansas City. He confirmed to the media that he'll have the speaker in his helmet. He will be calling the defense, relaying the calls from Vance Joseph. Your reaction? It took me by surprise because, while we didn't have the full list of players that Jalen Thompson mentioned early in training camp of a bunch of players getting that practice. To my understanding, I I guess I was just assuming it was going to be Jalen because he was the only one that we'd really heard talk about getting that kind of practice. So I was a little surprised, but... I guess it makes sense if if you have this player in Isaiah Simmons who is quite literally playing all over the field. To do that, you have to understand the defense in many, many different ways. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense that if he's going to be on the field a lot and he can see what's going on from many different angles, that he would be calling the calling the plays and leading the defense. So in that mind, it doesn't really surprising when I thought about it but I was a little caught off guard because I guess I was just assuming having not heard anything different it was just going to be Jalen Thompson well and that's the first thing I thought of when I heard it was Isaiah was here's a guy who by all accounts learns the entire defense he did it in college he does it again in the pros partly because of 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 the fact that he's playing everywhere and part of it is he just he's that's the kind of player he is and he's He's not going to be necessarily pushed all the way back in the in the secondary like Jalen Thompson might. So he's a guy that can be a little bit closer to everybody else, and and he is three years in. And if he's calling the the defenses, guys, I think that that's another good reason why he he is growing as a player. And I think that's another big check mark, a positive check mark in his box of of the kind of impact he can make if if he's also helping on the mental side as much as using his freaky physical gifts because you need someone who's on the field all the time it's not a fluke that a year ago Jordan Hicks played more defensive snaps than any Cardinals defender he had the green dot he had the speaker he was the one calling the defense so when at first they revealed that Jalen Thompson was training in that role you think okay that makes sense because he's out there every single snap well Yes, Isaiah Simmons, the same. And and to your guys' point, it's a great point. He understands and plays all three levels of the defense. You also need to be located closer to the box. So, yes, that that makes sense 
as well. Here's my question. I wish I would ask this as a follow-up. Who's making the check? It's one thing to just reiterate and parrot what Vance Joseph is saying and relaying that to the defense, but then who's making the subsequent inevitable check once the offense motions into something else or the quarterback checks into something? It's that cat-and-mouse game back and forth that Jordan Hicks used to talk about, and Vance Joseph used to have that reverence for Jordan Hicks. Is it, okay, not only is he calling the initial defensive set in the scheme, but then, boom, he's also checking into a variety of things based on what the offense is doing and showing. So I guess my question would be, is Isaiah Simmons... Darren seasoned enough to be that guy or does that become a Nick Vigil perhaps for example who would start making those checks instantaneously pre-snap that's a great question I you know I I that's a great question I I don't know I don't know if you you would go with Isaiah and I mean I'm something I want to ask Vance Joseph next week when he gets in front of the media for the first time and um we can we can ask that thing I mean Nick Vigil would make a lot of sense to me um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't know. Isaiah is a different kind of guy, but the one thing he's always struck me as is very football intelligent. And it, I wouldn't be completely stunned if he was the one being asked to do that, at least at first, to see if he can. Um, but, but I guess we'll find out. Are you going to ask Vance? I will ask Vance. I know, right. absolutely. And I'm going to go find the quote because he, he said towards the end of last season, he kind of gave a job description on Jordan Hicks. And I yeah. remember that. I, yeah. I remember writing that down and talking about that on air, just about everything that Jordan Hicks did for the defense. And you understood why he was starting instead of a rookie yeah. because of all those responsibilities. What was also interesting is when Isaiah Simmons told the media that, that Vance Joseph is a talker now, that Vance Joseph looked him in the eye and said, everything that I say in the microphone that you hear in the speaker, I need you to tell everybody. And then Isaiah said, and sometimes he just talks the whole time until they cut the mic off at the 15-second mark of the play clock. (laughs) So uh, he's testing my recall ability, is what Isaiah Simmons was saying without saying that. And so uh, that'll be interesting as they they get into uh, preparation. And by the way, it's starting this week, right? They're going good on what they call good on good, ones against ones, because obviously most of the starters got zero preseason reps, so they're going to try and get regular season ready, Danny, just by ramping up, amping up practice a little bit this week. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's game time. You know, it's everyone's going to start getting ready, and, and that's what's exciting is figuring all that out and how everyone's going to play, and I think – it is so interesting because this is not still the final 53. And that's what's kind of, you know, hard to really think about is these players that are likely still going to go on IR, right? Like the, the Tweezies and maybe the Charles Washingtons. Is you still don't have – you have a good idea, but you still don't know that true final roster. Um, but you're right, amping up practices and kind of getting back into regular season mode. Um, I do still think – you know, as I'm sitting here looking at this list, and we've kind of touched on it, but haven't really gone into depth of, I mean, are you guys convinced that come week one, all five running backs will still be on this roster? So this is what I kind of said earlier, Danny, when I was talking about... I mean, Jonathan Ward? Well, here's, here's the thing. Again, I dial back now. Are we going to are we gonna see four running backs every week? I don't know, but I, I know that... In 2020, they drafted Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. He was never going to play. Right. He was, and they left him on the 53-man roster because they felt like if they cut him, somebody was going to pick him up. And so Eno Benjamin spent the entire season 
essentially redshirting. He was never active one game. Could I see that happening with Keontae Ingram? I absolutely could. Sure. And I- and that's what I that's why I think that you almost don't count him as the fifth running back because the idea is just they don't want to lose him. And the way the 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 roster additions they're allowed I think they're allowed to move up three players from the practice squad every week now. Um and not just two. As long as one of them is a offensive lineman, I think it is, or as long as you have eight offensive linemen or something like that. So you you already are getting to add an extra body on game day that you weren't before. Something like so I, I think you, you can afford to have a guy on your roster not on the practice squad that's not playing. And and again, I'm not 100% sure of this. Maybe they want to see how Jonathan Ward is health-wise early on. Uh, I don't know. But I, I think that that's one, that's one way you could look at this with, with why they have five running backs right now. And that's a good point. I think it was on the radio side, and it might have been Drew Stanton who asked Cliff about Jonathan Ward. And I think his question, it was sort of a – it was touch and go. It's like, yeah, we're not sure. He could be close to going against KC, maybe not. So that could be one reason they currently have five. But you're absolutely right, Danny. One of these running backs could be on the trade block. Yeah, We'll see what would that net in return. But then, you know, Darren, how many players can you put on short-term IR? Because if you're looking at Antoine Wesley, Charles Washington, maybe a Max Williams, how long is short-term IR and, and how many players? First of all, I do not believe there's a uh... – a limit on on who you can, how many people you can put on short term IR. There, really, there's no such thing as short term IR. I, I, IR once the season starts is by definition short term. Okay. Once you go on, you can come back in as little as four games. Gotcha. Four games missed, and you can be there on there longer. Now, the one thing about it is you can only do that one time. If a guy goes on IR, let's say just for argument, and I'm sorry, Tweezy, but let's say Antoine Wesley goes on IR, misses the first four games, comes back, and then suffers a, let's say, a sprained ankle that was going to keep him out four weeks. And you're like, I'd love to be able to put him on short-term IR and save that roster spot. You can't do that. If you put him back on IR, he's done for the season. So, But that's to each individual player. And so you could... You can have as many guys. I mean, they're all they're all have the opportunity to come back. Of course, except for in this case, Marquise Hayes, who went on IR before that that window opened, so he cannot come back. And, and you know, and look, and Marquise Hayes is the one guy who's not coming back this year, right? Yes, Marquise Hayes. So okay, we know that. In terms of the running back, Danny, I think the other intriguing question is, who's most likely to be that third down back? If it's not James Conner, if it's a passing situation in particular, although we saw James Conner catch out of the backfield, he made some ridiculous catch and runs last year. I'm not saying he's not capable, but if you're going to get that change of pace guy, is it automatically Eno? He told the media, I describe myself as a three-down back who can do everything. Is it a Daryl Williams who has proven in that role more than 1,000 scrimmage yards last year, set career highs in receptions and receiving yards? I mean, where, what's your gut feel on, on that aspect? RB2, I guess. My gut aspect is probably going to mostly be Daryl Williams with some Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin has looked good in that role. We've seen him do well. I just, I'm not fully convinced that they see Eno in that way of being that true running back, like, you know, that tr- true number two and relying on him on every single instance like that. I think that is more 
of why they brought in Daryl Williams to not only compliment James Conner, but compliment that part of Chase Edmonds' game that they lost. I think they like a lot of things about Eno, but I don't think that he is ready. I don't think in their eyes he's ready to really be that true guy that they're going to depend on all the time in those situations. I think he still needs more experience. And I just want to throw in there, Paul, I think, and I think we saw this last year, the Cardinals handle the backfield by committee, if you will. They handle it a little bit differently than some teams. I I don't, don't, it's not, to me, it's not going to be a situation where James Conner is in there a couple downs and then you bring in a different guy for third down, third down back. I think what it's going to be is James Conner is your guy and he's a three down guy. And then you're going to give him certain series and or, portions of a drive off to make sure that he's not overworked and then the other guy is going to go in and probably be the three down whatever I think that's the the hope now whether Eno Benjamin's doing a lot of first and second down I don't know but I think Daryl Williams can do that and I think Jonathan Ward's got a chance to do that and I think the hope that eventually Keontae Ingram can do that so I I think I I think James Conner is your guy and the whole reason he's not going to be your guy all the time isn't because you're bringing somebody for third down, but more because you're going to want to make sure, as Cliff has said before, they want to make sure that he's not overworked because you're trying to get him through 17 games. No, that's a valid point. You're right. That that has been the precedent set. But you also had two backs capable of being in every down back. And True. A, and, and now that Eno Benjamin is that back, that they can trust in pass protection, they can trust in the playbook, you're right. You, you can give them an entire series. We know Daryl Williams is stout in pass protection. He's probably weighing around 235, 240. I mean, that's our best guess just looking at him, so he doesn't have to worry about that at all. And and so and you're right. I you know, a 17 game season, some of the injuries that James Conner had a year ago obviously were very costly, particularly in the playoff game. So they value the health of a James Conner like like they never have before. So so I would agree with that, uh, no question. So we'll see how that evolves exactly in, in terms of that role. What is interesting is that Eno said Daryl Williams is giving them information on the Chiefs. <laughs> so that's a ding right there. That's a double ding. So the same Daryl Williams that, that shared earlier during camp that, yeah, you know, the Chiefs never really made me an offer to come back, and he was out on the street. So, so now, now they, we got, we've got uh, Trayvon Mullen revenge yep, game second week. For week of course, two. we also have Chandler Jones revenge game, but that's a whole other thing. <laughs> right. So uh, that's intriguing about that, um, about those first two matchups, and uh, maybe you get a little uh, inside info uh, on that front. Anything else here on this uh, roster as uh, we mull through the final roster and takeaways and final cuts and uh, anything else come come to I'm mind? Just, I'm just glad the day is over, to be honest, Paul. It's been a long day for everybody for a lot of reasons, and uh, I, I was fearing that it was going to take forever to podcast with you people, and uh, I'm glad we're finally <laughs> able to get this done. Now, wait a minute. How do we take that, Danny? You people. How do we take that? I'm not exactly. <laughs> I'll You're going to love me with Paul? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Wow. Didn't you know? It's clear that she doesn't want to be anywhere near me. Just the fact she's some remote location on a phone. I mean, that should be apparent enough just from the sound of the podcast that she doesn't want to hang with yours truly. Actually, to be honest, Paul, with your aversion of germs, I'm surprised you were <laughs> no. upset that we're nowhere near you right just, now. Just stop. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of aversion, did you see this stat, um, uh, Darren? Your beloved NBA and basketball. Did you yes. see that the Lions Steelers preseason game oh, on yes. Sunday afternoon? I did see that. Did better TV ratings than each of 
of the five NBA games from Christmas Day last year. It was Christmas. I mean, it's a time for family. Ouch! My goodness, Warriors Suns in the primetime slot, right there in the heart of the Christmas lineup. Didn't, well, didn't get I was, the same I numbers as Lions Steelers. I wasn't able to watch <laughs> Warriors Suns because I was at an NFL game covering it. So that's right. Well, and guess what, NBA? Now instead of two, there's three NFL games on Christmas Day this year, including the Cardinals, including the Cardinals in, in the nightcap against Tom Brady. So, uh, and by the way, uh, for all my buddies who might be listening, no, you can't have my tickets to Cardinals against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Christmas. Just get off me on that front. Are we sure Tom Brady's going to play that day? <laughs> He's not retiring again, is he? Oh, boy. Yeah, no, no, no. All, all I'm sure of is that you guys brought down the house. He's, in got, he's 45. He's got a lot of yeah. stuff going on. That's right. That's right. I mean, you guys found time to karaoke. You got a lot of stuff going on. So. You know, speaking of getting, uh, you know, feedback and, and blowback, I mean, how's it been, Danny? How, you know, did you post it? There was video of your performance up there. Did you put it on your IG story? No. No. Uh, I did not. Okay. Um, at least not yet. I've seen a few video angles. I have not seen Darren's. Wait, um, I didn't send I, you yours? No, but I'm pretty sure you showed it to everyone else because mysteriously the next day in Nashville, lots of people who were not at karaoke were suddenly talking to us about karaoke. <laughs> what can I tell you? There was a lot of people at karaoke, though. Yeah. Well, there was there a lot were. of video. Darren, I mean, Darren was splendicular as a backup dancer. That was a, he was It was excellent. It was really well yeah. done. Yep. So, Okay. All right, we'll we'll wait. At some point, that video will emerge. At some point, the Cardinals have a long snapper on the final 53. At some point, we might get some information on uh, Antonio Hamilton. I mean, we have mysteries. You know, it's CSI, Cardinals Underground, basically, at this point. Trying at some to, point, we'll all be back together in the room. That's right. Podcasting. That's right. So uh, let the record uh, state that yours truly was not Pauly Positive. Those are my two colleagues. You're on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. <laughs>